Three, two, one. What's going on, folks? Welcome to 34 Questions. I'm your host, 34. And tonight, I have a very special guest. Mr. Arthur Soriano is in the building. How you doing, sir? Good, good, good. How about yourself, 34? I'm doing great. Doing great. Um, it's it's pretty much Friday. I don't know how, how it feels like for, for you right now, but I'm um, super excited. It's the end of the week. I, I can't wait, wait for the weekend. I've got some plans, so... Yeah, it's, uh, I've, I've uh, got some family stuff going on this weekend, so I'm looking forward. But before that, I've got 34 questions with you, maybe more. No doubt, no doubt. Um, I want to thank you again for making time to come onto the show. Uh, you you stopped by a long a long time ago, but um, you know things happened, some technical difficulties. I'm just happy to have you back on. So thank you, and uh, I want to just do a quick rundown for all the folks out there who probably haven't seen the show before but we do some intro questions some warm-up questions just to set the tone um and then we head over to the wheel of questions where we give it a spin and wherever it lands you pretty much uh are going to be presented with a question that's reflective and introspective and then after the the wheel of questions uh, i would just have a few concluding questions for you at the end sound good to you arthur yes sir all right. Well, my very first question for you is, how have you been? It's been a few months since uh, we've connected. In between then and now, any any new things come up for you? Any uh, highlights? Well, I've been pretty good. I'm not. I don't have anything to complain about, really. But more recently, I've had a little bit of uh, allergy, sore throat thing. So I'm a little bit hoarse. I don't know if you can tell. Um, my daughter says that it's barely noticeable so i'll just go with that um but it makes it more difficult for me to talk so that uh might be to your advantage this time because last time i spoke a lot (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it is welcome it is welcome and i I think your daughter's right i can't really tell either um so maybe it's just just from your point of view (laughs) that it just feels weird right Um, yeah it's just one of those things you've got a little bit of a something throat in so it's just not average, that's all. I gotcha, I gotcha. Uh, well, moving on to the warm-up. My first question for you in the warm-up is, what would you like the audience to know about you? Well, I'm just an average guy that uh, fell into the habit of, uh, or the hobby of pre-colonial Filipino history and when I read what was available versus the science that was coming out, I said to myself, someone needs to write an update to this because the story of Filipinos or Austronesians is so exciting and so dynamic that uh, we need to retell the story because the story has been told so poorly. For sure, for sure. I think that's some important work that you're doing because I think there's a lot of things in history that could use an update or, you know, um, since <laughs> I think there's pe- there's different powers that, have, that be that kind of, um, they, they shape 
the history that we know now you know so the research needs to be done and i'm, I'm happy you know we have people like you out there who who are letting us know this new information uh, or not new information but just information that hasn't been available um in the past just to you know help us really do understand where we come from um because i don't know i don't know about everybody else but i feel like in my generation we're more aware of how history is one-sided or is told by one side and right. you know it's time to kind of do time to deep digger i mean right. dig deeper <laughs> right right well you know <clears throat> excuse me the i think the most important thing that uh, has come out you know one of the the most popular uh pre-colonial historians uh william henry scott he passed away in the 90s i believe he doesn't have the advantage that i have today he didn't have uh the internet for the most part you know he, he had it but maybe it wasn't uh as well put together as as today not sure which year he passed away i think it was 94 I, i'll have to google that or something or let's say duck duck go i don't like google but uh you know i need to look that up but i know that he passed away and he doesn't have a lot of the information that we have today and what's really exciting more recently is number one we've got vast genetic testing that allowed us to discover that the Igorot tribes are essentially the base tribe that spread out from Luzon Philippines all the way to Madagascar on one side of the world and Easter Island on the other side of the world and we wouldn't know that um i mean we sort of know it through language but we wouldn't know it as profoundly as we do today without genetics and you know with everybody taking these genetics tests it just keeps on increasing the uh database so uh that has that that's one really big thing another big discovery of course is uh all of the the uh findings that they've they've had in Luzon with the uh, discovery of uh, early Filipino man from um, I guess they didn't find the actual man but they have um, what do you call it butchered rhino bones um, or fossils that show that man has been and this is archaic man not necessarily homo sapiens but Archaic man has been on the Philippines or Luzon for over 709,000 years. You know, people in the books that I've read, you know, since I started this, I originally was thinking, oh, you know, Filipinos came, uh, somebody came to Luzon uh, 5,000 years ago on a migration thing. And then when you study science, you find out, no, there's been someone on Luzon for over 700,000 years. And there's a... Homo Luzonesis, I think that's how you pronounce it, but that's another archaic uh, Filipino or human that is named after the island Luzon, and they have been there, I'd have to check the numbers, but let's say between 40 and 60,000 years. So, and I don't have these things memorized, I have to look at my notes to give you exact, so I'm trying to be, uh, I'm trying to uh, be, uh, you know, without having notes by me. 
I'm trying to answer all the questions. <laughs> no, for sure. I appreciate that. Uh, I am curious. Have you taken one of those uh, genetics tests or, you know, just to find out how much percentage you are of what? Actually, my family has taken the test. So, you know, uh, my sister and I came out uh, uh, 100% Filipino slash Austronesian. So that is actually a little bit of a surprise because my my mom is, uh, you know, I'll, I'll toot her horn a little. Maybe I'm tooting my own horn. But my mom is a beautiful Miss Philippines type woman when she was younger. You know, she's an older woman now. But when she was young, she was very, very model-esque. And, um, you know, she had lighter skin. And so the rumor in the family is that we had Spanish blood or something. You know how Filipinos are. Yeah, we, you know, my last name is Spanish, so I must be, you know, Hispanic, even though we all had to have Spanish names at one time because we used to have names like Lapu Lapu, you know, we, we didn't have uh, Lapu Lapu Garcia. It was just, it was just Lapu Lapu. <laughs> so, you know, um, we, we, we thought we had some Spanish blood in there because she had such light skin. She was fair skinned. And, uh, you know, um, uh, my dad, uh, being from Pangasinan, you know, he was, uh, no, Pangasinan was, was uh, how would you say, we had a lot of uh, migration from China and Japan in that area because the, uh, the port of Pangasinan at time, one time was called the Port of Japan. Of course, that was during Spanish times, but still, um, with so many Japanese uh, migrants to that area, we thought, you know, there's a chance that we have Japanese blood. But when the test was done, 100% Filipino, you know, so at first it was like, man, we got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you I know, mean, you I, know, I, I was thinking, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking, you know, man, all the all the thoughts and things, you know, we, we're just completely off. But you know, I, I'm proud of my heritage and. Whether you have a hundred percent Filipino or or even one percent Filipino, my my goal is to share the truth of our history, to let you be proud of your hundred percent or your one percent, and uh, and just tell a better, complete story. You know that that's the whole reason I do this is is because you know the the story is so important, and and being a fan of history, not all history, but more ancient history, I studied. Uh, the Greeks and the Romans when I was in college and uh, that wasn't my major but I did study quite a bit I, I, I guess I had enough to minor but um, you know when you study history and uh, you find out when you read your own history Filipino history that it says something about the dinosaurs then all of a sudden and Magellan came it's like what? it's like this is not the story I want to hear so I said you know someone's got to someone has to update this and 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 my project allows me to update it uh within my budget and um uh, in a way that you know people said you know david you should write a book you know like a academic book and i thought about that and then i said you know if i write this book you guys should have already should already know this but you don't, and it's because you all aren't reading the books. Not that a really good book exists, because I don't. I don't think any really good book, in my opinion, exists. 
So I decided to do it graphically. That way, you know, it's interesting. I mean, the kids need to know this. You know, I would have loved to have known this stuff when I was, you know, five, 10 years old. So the kids need to know this history so that they can be proud of who they are, where they're from. And, uh, you know, it's a really nice story. Um, and, and I think, uh, I don't even remember what you said originally, but I love telling, you know, uh, a little bit about my interest in, in, uh, in pre-colonial Filipino history. Do you think uh, at this point that we'll be able to to kind of provide all all views of history for the future? Like, I know we're, you're doing the research of the history from the past, but as we are currently, you know, creating our events right now for the future, you think that story won't be as one-sided as our understanding of history is now? Or is there always going to be somebody that's kind of, you know, um, guide guiding what, what we know to, to, yeah, to the future? Yeah. Especially now. You know, I'll bet you back in the day, even today, um, I bet that uh, it's always been pretty one-sided. Um, and whoever has control of the pen is telling the story. So you have to take everything with a grain of salt and hopefully you can find an opposing side. But, you know, when I look at the way things are now, even when we get our own news today, you can't say that that's fact. You know, you see the news and then you find out, okay, well, who's funding this news? <laughs> who's, who's, who's saying this and what's their alternative? So, you know... I don't know. I think uh, I think you'll have a you'll have more resources to, to research the truth, but everything is is so uh, biased and and I think things have been promoted um, in a way to manipulate the situation more than we realize. You know I. When you look at it today and you can see it and prove it, you can't prove it in the old days. But when you see it today, you have to think to yourself, that's what they were doing back then too. I mean, people are people. You know, so I'm sure that uh, we have biased, uh, biased history. But you know, the thing is, uh, some, of the, some of the most exciting things in Filipino history, the re one of the big reasons I feel like we need the update is the science. The science has changed a lot. And it's going to continue to change. You know, uh, I feel like every 10 years, there's some breakthrough that helps us understand a little bit more, right? Uh, yes. So who knows what we'll know in 10 years from now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, second question for you in the warm up is if someone were to pay you a tribute, how would you like to be honored? So, um, you know, if I was going to do something in the, uh, in the honor of Arthur, what kind of act could I do for you? Hmm. Well, um, I try not to have personal glorification. I don't really thrive on fame. Um, I don't mind Arthur Soriano, the name being popular, but you know, like we had discussed earlier on, there was a time people that, that I decided, you know, I wasn't going to do the interview, uh, Visually, I was just going to answer the questions uh, behind the screen, you know, and uh, but I said, you know, um, 
if the project takes off the way that I think it will, um, people are going to want to see who I am. So I'll go ahead and, and, and promote the mission. But any honor for me is, is, is not necessary. If you, if, if the way to honor me is to buy the product and in turn, um, I can create more product because the reason that we have an issue number one and the reason that I did a, a, uh, you know, a periodical comic book format is because it was affordable to do at first. It's visual, so you can have both story and and uh, pictures. But um, you know, I'm gonna. I have a copy here, so I'll I'll show you like some of the first pages. You know, so you've got a nice big page of pictures. Let's see if I get it. But look at all that verbiage there. There's a lot of writing, <laughs> at least yeah. on that page. So, <clears throat> you know, um, I set this up in a format that if it gets supported, I can give you more. <clears throat> and if it's not supported, then, you know, um, I'll probably still go forward, but it would be a lot more fun if it had more support. Not that you all haven't supported me. I'll, I'll, and let me make this announcement now. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to go more than the question. Go for it. But I was invited to a um, anniversary party of a restaurant in Houston, Texas. And uh, because it was close and I was available, I, I went ahead and, and did, I think they called it a Filipino market. So it was an anniversary party for a restaurant. It was nice weather and happened, I think in May. And we had about a hundred, maybe, maybe more, about a hundred uh, guests or participants, not participants, but people that showed up. There were about five vendors. I was one of the vendors. And we ended up selling over $400 worth of um, merchandise and comic books. and. You know, the comic book, uh, American money is, is $5, uh, $4.99. So, you know, to sell $400 worth of merchandise in two hours of time with 100 people, I'm just saying to myself, it's pretty well liked if people see it. And if I were to get to one of these bigger Filipino-American or what have you festivals with thousands of people, you know, I, be I believe our, our numbers would be really strong. So if anybody uh, has a festival out there in the continental United States or maybe even Canada, I'm game for showing up and uh, signing comic books and, and teaching history if possible. So um, as far as, yeah, the, the honor to me, uh, personally, I don't really need any. Um, I'm just a messenger. So I, I'm doing the homework, but uh, it's for everyone. It's for our people. And so uh, if you could support the program, buy the comic. Um, my goal is also to help kids So in the Philippines. So um, the money is supposed to go to help kids once, once we make some money. I, I haven't made any money yet. <clears throat> so I'll, 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 I'll uh, you know, I, I, I printed a lot of product because I believe in it. And I wanted to get things 
so that if we do sell it, that it's profitable, you know? I'm, so I wasn't looking small time. I was looking to where if it's going to do it, then I might as make it, might as well purchase it in amounts that make it worthwhile. You know, because, you know, let's say if I, if I only printed a few comic books and they cost me, you know, $4 a piece and I sold them for $4.99, I mean, why even do it, right? So I purchased thousands of these things. <laughs> I got so, you. You know, I, uh, um, I would, uh, I believe that we'll do pretty well. You know, um, we sold over $400 worth of merchandise at uh, an average price of about a little over 500, but it was mostly comic books. Uh, 
during the pandemic, our retailers were closed, you know? So they were open and they were closed and then no one was really shopping. And, you know, the, the economy is depressed because of the pandemic. And so it wasn't until recently that we felt we could print the product, issue number one, distribute it to our retailers in the Philippines and actually have people come by the, the stores to buy it. Um, I can't give a shout out yet because I don't know my team in the Philippines. They, although they know where the product is going, I don't know where the product is going. <laughs> but um, the thing is, is we'll announce all at once once it's actually uh, produced. But issue number one in the Philippines should be completed within three weeks. And so when it's completed, we'll, we'll be able to distribute in the Philippines. Now, the nice thing about the, the uh, Filipino version is, you know, the, the fight scene, not the fight scene. Yeah, the fight scene. The Urduha fight scene where she's charging on the horses. There is a centerfold pullout in the Philippine version. So that's what you get for the same money in the Philippines is you get an extra four pages. It's actually two pages of print. But, you know, when you pull out a centerfold, it's, it's actually four pages. Um, but you get, you get a pull-out poster of that scene, uh, which isn't available in the U.S. version. So um, we were able to do that because it was affordable in the Philippines, but in, in the U.S. it wasn't. Uh, it, it didn't. Uh, it wasn't affordable to do it within the price points available. I gotcha. Um, is it going to be in English or which uh, yeah, dialect? It will be in English. Um, let me tell you a little bit of the reason why I did that. You know, a lot of people push for Tagalog because you know over here in the states, everybody is uh, very pro Tagalog as far as speak. You know, if you if you're Filipino, why don't you speak Tagalog, right? But then uh, you know, I grew up. My family spoke Ilocano and, and Pangalatok. So, you know, I was already left out in the cold. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so uh, you know, the, the, the thing is, is uh, there are so many Filipinos, per se, um, across the world that don't speak Tagalog. Um, and then if you're in school, you learn English. And I know that there's a little bit of, uh, how would you say, you know, there's that contingent of people that want it to be in Tagalog. But then there's all those, also those people that say, no, it should be in Ilocano. No, it should be in Visayan, you know, but or Cebuano. But, um, you know, I think uh, as far as literature is concerned, the Boxer Coda sells best when it's in English. So for the sheer purpose of of uh, reaching a larger audience with the economics that we have you know like I said I, I, I bought th thousands of these things a lot of them are still sitting upstairs <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know the thing is is uh, it, it it made sense uh, economics wise to to print it in English and that way we don't have the 
the people, the Ilocanos and the, the Scions rejecting it because it's in Tagalog and then vice versa. So um, it's my decision. If it's a bad decision, then hey, it's my fault. But, you know, it was just it's just easier that way because I already did the first issue in, in English. I feel you. I feel you. I was just I, that is a question I wanted to ask because I had come across um, a children, Filipino children's book and they had all four uh, different dialects. It was Tagalog, Ilocano, Visayan, and there was a fourth one, but it was all printed in the same book. Um, and okay. yeah, it was it was just interesting. I was like, dang, I, I know that's hard, right? It's not good for yeah. <laughs> economics to include yeah, everything. I don't know how I fit that in mind, but. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah. With that one page, you know, the whole page is is it's, it's smaller than than a, a printed book. Um, and they convinced me to do that. I don't know if I'm going to do that again, but they convinced me the first time to make print that small. But uh, I don't think they'll be able to convince me the time the next time around because I had some people. You know, you even though the feedback might be smaller than I think, you sort of want to. I knew that would happen, and when it happened, I said, "Yeah, we, we probably should have made the print bigger." So we'll we'll try to make the print bigger uh, next time around. Oh, so I did tell you that we're printing issue number one in the Philippines, and by golly, the uh, I'm, I'm I'm you know I try not to say anything. Uh, I I don't like profanity. It's just my my uh, traditional upbringing, but. Uh, you know, I now I picked up these these really uh, what do you call it? Uh, you know, old style TV shows that I used to watch, uh, Andy Griffith or something like that. But you know, you pick up by golly because you don't want to say what you might say if you weren't on thirty four questions. So <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you. So the thing is, is uh, we've got the Filipino print coming out, but the other reason why it was so slammed in June is because we're basically finished issue number two. We're just tweaking it. So I had to get all the writing and the, we have literature in issue number two, and we also have uh, history. So um, I think I explained this to you before, but not to our audience. Um, McCarlick and Chronicles issue number one was all history, oral history, and scientific discovery. Issue number two is the same, except we're taking a popular character from issue number one, and we're having her sort of battle mythological stories and creatures, per se. because, you know, um, for instance, a popular one, a siren or a mermaid is not considered history, but it's part of our history because she's in our stories, right? Because she's in our mythology. So how do you have a mermaid or siren in your history you know, how do you, how do you introduce that? And the way to do that is to have, um, a character go through and have adventures with all the different, uh, mythological creatures, or I don't know if creatures are the right, that might not be the right word to choose, but let's say mythological characters, you know, so now you can have a common character so you can develop a bond with the character 
go through all the mythology and it won't be necessarily always accurate um, with traditional stories, but it gives you a introduction to them and maybe another angle. So the first part of issue number two will be all history, but the second part will be uh, will be fiction. Gotcha. But just incorporating those uh, those characters. Uh, right. Yeah. It's if you could have like an Aswang, you could have a mermaid or siren, you could have all the different, you know, you if you're familiar with Filipino mythology, um, folklore, there's a lot of tall tales. And so, you know, it, it's it's just another way to introduce those those uh, we have our own, you know, um, group of, of gods, if you want want to say that, or or creatures and dragons and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we, we've got a rich a rich uh, folklore to tell or mythology, and I think uh, you know I'm, I'm going to uh, introduce that in this issue. Um, but, but we're definitely going to now we've we've. We haven't decided yet. I actually said, hey, you know, we should make the mythology where it's upside down so that if if you come to the front of the comic and you're reading it, this is history. And then when you get to the mythology, then it's upside down. So you have to turn it around and you could start from the front that way. I've actually proposed that, but they're thinking that they're just going to have a cover within a, within the book and, and then that will be the mythology and and fiction is it uh is it more economically uh friendly that way because <laughs> i know what you're talking about and i do like it when comic books do that yeah. where there's two stories and you have to i don't know i don't think it makes a difference to the printer so it might be the artist but you know i'm i'm i don't want to be so uh crazy like some of the i mean at times you have to be but I think uh, my team's really good, so I'm going to probably uh, go with what they say works best. But I'm definitely going to ask them to do it again, just to see if they take it. <laughs> I got you. I, I do want people to realize when we switch over from history to, to mythology, because that would be bad if they thought, oh, this is history. I was like, no, that's not history. That's a, that's a story. But, you know, that's, and, and the reason that I'm doing that is... Um, I'm, even though I can write a lot of interesting history, at some point, the history becomes less exciting and less abundant. So if I do everything based on history, Maharlikin Chronicles has a finite life. And so I'm trying to develop some characters and some, you know, for instance, like Superman. Superman's, you know, the original creator's long gone, um, but Superman continues on because, you know, he's a character that just kept on going. So you can, you can, you can continue the story after I'm gone, um, however you want. But uh, I think, uh, you know, I'd love to have, uh, when I was a kid, I'd love to have a, a strong uh, Filipino-based character or whatever. You know, like so many other uh, nationalities have. You know, the Greeks have their their pantheon of gods, and same thing with the Romans. And 
And then later on, I found out the Vikings had, you know, their own gods. But, you know, we've been traveling around on boats longer than the Vikings. You know, they they weren't even, we've been doing it for thousands upon thousands of years before the Vikings ever started. So, you know, that's one interesting thing that we should be promoting among our own stories. For sure. Um, I was going to ask if you had seen Tressie, the the show on Netflix. Or the... uh, I haven't, but tell me. Oh, um, it's it's about this. Uh, I haven't no, seen. You mean Tress? Oh, I thought you said something with a C H. You uh the the T R E S E. Yeah, Tressie. Yeah. I've seen a lot. Um, I. But I haven't seen a complete episode. I'm sort of seeing it on the side because there's a lot of write-ups. I've seen, uh, how would you say, maybe previews. Um, but because I'm so involved in my own project, I haven't uh, really studied it. But I, I was happy to see, um, and I'm, I'm going to do this from a Filipino point of view. I was happy to see that they made her look like a white girl. Um, because my characters are, are, are more, uh, or darker skinned, not that everyone's darker skinned, but you know, someone has to, has to promote, uh, our brown beauty. And so that's, that's, that's what I'm doing. I got you. And I, I think they're more supernatural, you know, or yeah. the supernatural figures of the Filipino culture. Um, and you're, you're doing history. So it is two different lanes, but yeah, I, I see what you mean. I haven't watched it myself, um, all the way through. Uh, I, f- I feel kind of bad saying that, but, um, you know, like, being a creator yourself, right? Sometimes you're just more engulfed in your own work to, right. to take time to check everything out. Um, I, I'm interested. Believe me, I'm interested. But when I saw it and I saw the way what I saw, I said, this is nowhere close to what I'm doing. And so I said, nah. you know, I'm, although I'm interested, I was more concerned that it was going to be too close to what I'm doing. And, and although I think, um, a lot of our, our community will support it and are excited by it. Um, I think also because I get my own feedback, a lot of our community is not really happy with And even though, you know, my Urduha is a beautiful Filipina that could that, that could be uh, mistaken for any uh, Southeast Asian uh, beauty queen, uh, whatever look that is. You know, I did, I, I, I like like my mom, you know, she's, she's light skinned, but um, she's very beautiful. And so um, we have beautiful women no matter what, you know, uh, whether, whether you have a flat nose or you have a more pointed nose or or your eyes were more round or your eyes were more uh, more narrow, for lack of better words. Um, we've always had beautiful women. Um, and so I, I didn't want to make her, because I've been, I've been, how would you say? I've been asked or, or told, not necessarily told, I can't think of the right word, but there was that group of people that said, Hey, you know, she needs to have a flat nose and she needs to be less beautiful. I'm going, no, you know, not that flat noses aren't beautiful, but let's, let's just put it this way. 
Batuta described her as exceedingly beautiful, and he's, I guess, from um, the Middle Eastern area. So, you know, he described her as exceedingly beautiful. So why not take the opportunity to market your product with an extremely beautiful uh, Filipina uh, hero? And so... um, that's what we did. I mean, our, it, it, it is a comic book. I mean, if you look at every other uh, <laughs> comic book uh, female character out there, they're extremely attractive. And so, you know, um, we, we sort of fell, uh, followed along with that. You know, we're going we're gonna to make her extremely attractive. And the, and the history books say she was extremely attractive, so why not? I feel that. <laughs> you know? I wanted to ask, how do you take in feedback? Like, I, I know for myself, when, when people try to give me tips or things to think about for the podcast, I'm always, you know, I try to keep an open mind, but, yeah. you know, there's always, there's also a vision I have for it. So, um, yeah, so, sometimes it, it uh, I feel bad not, not taking it in how people want, but I also know that I have a vision for it. How, how about for yourself with a... It's, it's, it's really, it's really difficult because... You know, um, you just listen um, because you have to listen, but then you also have to be true to yourself. You know, you had a a vision originally, and if it's not your own, now sometimes you can be influenced, you know, and that's good. Sometimes you'll say, oh, wow, that's great. I love it. But if you don't necessarily love it, then it's not you anymore. And so you want to make as many people happy as you can. But if you don't like the end product, you're not going to want to push it. So uh, I, I just say keep an open ear. And then, of course, the other thing that I'm very open to is um, any truth that people can give me. You know, if, if they say that, uh, you know, that I might be off a little bit here or there with uh, some history or some culture, then, you know, the thing about Filipino history is we only have our books and our oral history. And one of the things about oral history is there's probably about a hundred times more than has been published. Published, You know, the, the elders of all the different tribes, they haven't told us all their stories. They haven't written it down. So, you know, if any of them want to come up and if uh, they say, hey, Arthur, can you can you uh, promote you know this story that we're willing to share with you? Um, I'd be more than happy to. I got so you. Is, yeah. Is that should I? Is that going to be an easy easy fix, or should I should I uh, repeat what I said? Easy fix, easy fix. Okay. No worries. Uh, okay. I got gotcha. you. Well, just a heads up, uh, Arthur, we have about 15 minutes left in the podcast. Uh, I know we got wrapped up in the warm-up questions, but don't worry. Uh, this is how, how it goes sometimes. I got one more question for you in the warm-up, and it okay. is, on a scale from 1 to 10, how well do you know yourself? Hmm. I'd say I, I know myself a lot better than I knew myself 20 years ago. So I'll say... I'll say a 10. I know myself really well because I've had to deal with myself and all my mess ups. 
So um, I think it just comes from messing up. Uh, but of course, you know, when I'm 100, I'm going to say, I didn't know myself back then. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I think I know myself pretty well. I know my strengths, my weaknesses. Um, I know what I like. I know what I don't like. And so I'm on the verge of being uh, the cranky old guy, you know, because I know what I like and what I don't like. And, you know, I'm pretty quick to reject some things that I don't like uh, pretty, pretty, pretty vocally or quickly. I gotcha. What would you say is your, your favorite thing about your personality? To others or to myself? For yourself, for yourself. I like that I believe in myself. Um, it allows me to go forward without fear. I think a lot of people hold themselves back because they don't have uh, confidence in what they do. Um, you know, I play tennis, so one of the things that's really important in tennis to win is just belief. Um, you don't in tennis. You don't have to be the most skilled player to win the match. Uh, there's many times when people of less skill beat the player better. It's crazy, but it happens all the time um, because all it takes is a little bit of luck. It takes will, and it takes uh, just moving forward and just executing your plan. So you don't have to have the best plan or the most fancy plan to win you just have to believe that you can win and so um i think i learned that trait from from tennis because i've been in positions where someone like really killed me in the first set and it was as if there's no way i could beat this guy but then i figured out, out a way just to return his serve high and deep and then i figured out oh well he makes mistakes when i do, do this so i said okay i'm gonna keep on giving him this and then you know, you, you sort of figure out people's rhythms and what they like. So you don't give them what they like. And then things turn around and I end up winning the match when I thought at one time I was going to get killed. So, you know, you sort of have to believe that you can win in order to win. And I think a lot of people, they just don't believe. And so that's why it's important to, you know, bringing that back to our history. It's important to have pride in where you come from. Because I think deep down inside, if you don't know the truth and you don't have any pride in where you come from, there's a part of you that's missing and not as strong as it should be. And, you know, the Filipino people, the Austri Austronesian people, they need to know that, uh, that they traveled the seas before anyone else, that we were going, you know, from east to west, all the way over to almost Africa and we did go it's proven that we did go into South America and so we need to know that we did these great things and that we were a great people before someone with a better weapon you know um, took, took over you know you got the biggest bomb the biggest gun you're gonna win you know that's just the way life is but um, Austronesians Filipinos people from Luzon they have their genes all across the islands and they did that because they were a great people. For sure. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to learning much more through through your works and, you know, just just the information out there available that you've been putting out. Um, we're heading over to the 
question portion, the main portion of 34 questions. I think we got time for, for one number. Would you like to go to the wheel or do you have a number in mind? Maybe a lucky number or uh, how do you feel? Well, I, think, I think it would be uh, less exciting for the audience if they didn't get to see that wheel, wheel turn. So let it turn and, and let it see where it falls. All right, here we go. Heading over to the wheel um, and let's give it a spin. There will be noise when on the final product. <laughs> and everything's blurry right now, but I know you said that I'm uh, blurry. Uh, yeah, and um, so it landed on a shout out. So it's actually not a number. This is pretty funny. Uh, it's, it's the first time it, it landed on one of the other options. Um, I know that there's a lot of stuff that you don't really want to divulge out there. Um, and you don't have to name drop any names, but the, the question for you was going to be, did you ever have a favorite teacher, coach, or mentor? Hmm. Yes. I had a favorite uh, high school teacher, and I actually had him for two classes. And he sort of set me on a path that I might not have gone on if uh, it wasn't for him. And I don't even know if he's around because... You know, the way high schools are nowadays, everything's on lockdown. And when I was a kid in high school, I remember former students visiting him during class hours. Like they would just come up. Um, things were, were just more open back then. There weren't any school shootings. Um, so uh, Mr. Adams, uh, my history and economics teacher in high school, I'd, I'd give him a, a shout out because, uh, you know, I was set to do the traditional thing like my, my sister. My sister, she ended up being a doctor, you know, Filipino medicine doctor, nurse. That's what our parents tell us to be, right? Well, I was headed to be a dentist or optometrist and in his economics class, he said, you know, what do you want to do in the future? And I said, well, you know, I think uh, I'll be an optometrist or a, or a dentist. And he said, do you really want to do that? Is that your passion? And he said, I said, you know, it's a business and it makes good money and it's, it's safe. And then he said, you know, you should probably just go into business because that's what you really want to do, right? You, you're only picking, uh, you know, dentistry because it's a safe business, but it's not really what you wanted to do now. My parents would disagree because, you know, I went through hell um, with all my first go-round of businesses. Um, you know, I, I, I would say that I wasn't successful for, for many years, um, that I made ends meet, and, well, I had fun doing it. Um, I would say uh, there's many people that thought in those days that, hey, you know, you're not really using your degree. You're not really doing this. You're not, you know, all the naysayers. And so I think, uh, you know, going your own way and doing something that you're passionate about, passionate about is uh, very important. And um, I hope more people can, can do that rather than just do the safe road. You, you know, everybody deserves a chance to, go for it you know in your 20s i guess 
is a good time. Mine, mine happened into my 30s. But um, the thing is, uh, you know, if you can plan a good road and have a good backup. I always had the backup. I could have, I, I, I left the professional world at the age of 24 and started working for myself, you know, at 24, uh, graduated 21 college. But uh, I never went back. I mean, I've had corporate um, alliances, but I was still getting, you know, a 1099 from them. So I was commission based. You know, I, I didn't work for them. I wasn't their employee. Um, so a shout out to uh, Mr. Adams for, you know, my parents would probably kill him if they knew. <laughs> <laughs> Even today. But, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I'd say I was an underachiever for a long time. Um, but I was happy, you know, I was happy. Um, not, not necessarily uh, bringing in all the money, but what I always had and what I feel is most important and one of, one of the reasons why I love the Philippines is uh, I believe that wealth is free time and uh, that's why I'm you know I want to have my free time back home so I'm, I'm planning a route to uh, be back home in the Philippines and uh, hopefully the, the more near future but uh, I've, I still have a lot of my family in the Philippines so it's still going to be a how would you say multi-generational uh, home or, or commune in essence? Um, I expect that my wife's uh, parents are to live with us um, because I want to take care of them just like I want to take care of my own parents. Um, but I, I'll, I'll have my, my foot in the U.S. and the Philippines. I'm not going to completely leave one or the other. But uh, you know, I'm hoping that uh, everything works out for me to be able to do that. But, you know, the great thing is um, in the Philippines, you know, if, if you retire there versus here, um, I could live a great life just selling my house here and living over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, I think that's the hope for a lot of a lot of immigrants, right? Uh, they come over here and hopefully retire and be able to bring all the money they earn, their savings and stretch right. it out in, in the Philippines. Um, yeah, I know it's a similar dream for my folks, and you know I'm ho I'm hoping I can help them achieve that someday. But yeah, shout out Mr. Adams. <laughs> shout out to Mr. Adams because you know he he's the one that told me not to go to dentistry school and and to uh, study economics and finance. So that's what I did, and you know if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't have done that. For sure, for sure. I, you know, doctor like my sister she's a doctor and <laughs> i could have gone the same way i was headed that way uh, and, and you know two years before i went my junior year he pulled me to the side and he said are you really going to dentistry school this you know and he said because at the time i was sorry i had a lozenge and i just bit into it you're fine i was competing for my school in economics and and he said are you really our economics guy, our economics guy is going to be a, a dentist. <laughs> I said, uh, it's like a, a, a football player, right? Like a, <laughs> like a football player. Are you really going to dentistry school? You're not going to go to play football for, for uh, Alabama? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. 
you know, it's a good business. I'm just going to be a dentist. <laughs> you know, so uh, I uh, I ended up studying economics because of him. He, he gave me uh, that extra push I needed to to uh, go after the studies that I really loved instead of the, the plan that uh, mom and dad had for me. For sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, he you show some promise and um, shout out to him for, for seeing that and just knowing that, like, I don't think this kid's going to want to do dentistry his whole life. He's going to find a point in his life where he's like, this, this doesn't fit for him. So, you know, he stepped in and just gave you a little bit of insight, you know, coming from someone more experienced. You know, the other thing was, uh, um, you know, I had braces when I was a kid and I remember that the dentist had to pull out them those molars back there. And I remember that crunching sound. And so uh, that was the one part I wasn't liking about dentistry. I was like, yeah, I don't want to have to pull. I'll do everything but pull out the teeth. Let's <laughs> do that. But, uh, so I guess deep down inside, I didn't want to do it. But I thought, you know, you when you're a kid, you, you have uh, ideas of what you think is safe. And so your parents can help mold that, you know, that's why they always, they always try to push us into nursing or engineering or something like that. But, uh, you know, uh, I just went with what I was good at. I was already competing in school in economics for my school. So, um, it, it, it made more sense for me to study economics. For sure. For sure. Um, all right. I have time for another question. It's up to you. Uh, well, I do have the closeout questions we have to get to. So, uh, yeah, well, we made it to the final stretch of the program. Uh, before we get to the closeout questions, I do have uh, this, uh, this new thing as well called the mantra, the 34th mantra. Are you, uh, are you familiar with mantras? <laughs> A little bit. Okay. Well, uh, on the show, I have three phrases that I would like you to fill out for yourself. Um, it is, I am, I can. I will. So I am blank. I can blank. I will blank. How would you fill that out for yourself? And 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 almost everyone on the show now answers that question. Almost every every everyone on the show answers it. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Yeah, I'm trying to approach it like a chess player, but I'm really just uh, off the cuff. So I'm I'm not. I don't want to think that much. So let's just, yeah, let, let it flow. Let it flow. Let it flow. Um, I am Filipino. <laughs> uh, what's the next one? I can. I can. Uh, I can write a better story. And what's the last one? I will. I will. Yeah. And I will provide something that our people will be proud of. Thank you for uh, creating your mantra. And now if you ever need a reminder, you have the sound bite of yourself, uh, you know, just reminding you. <laughs> 134, thank you so much for, you know, inviting me. And uh, I, uh, I need to spend more time uh, looking at, at your videos, but I, I know what you, uh, the reasons why you started it and, you know, although we didn't go over that today, I know from previous conversations. So I think it's a really great thing what you're doing here. And I'm just happy to be a part of it. 
Thank you for the kind words, and I'm, I'm very happy to have you on. Uh, you know, each person that comes on helps helps me build this thing to be, you know, bigger than all of us combined. So I definitely appreciate you coming on. Um, don't go yet. Got a couple more questions for you. <laughs> and uh, this next one is from my previous guest. Uh, shout out to Han. Uh, his question for you is, what what is your take on how society should be shaped in the future? Like, what do you think? isn't a standard yet, but should be a standard down the line? Hmm. Good question. And I, I, I have a, a philosophy being a, an economics uh, student. <clears throat> well, you know, when you study economics, you, you learn that human nature is, is a very, very difficult uh, thing to beat. Um, Economics is basically the study of human nature. For instance, if the price is high, less people are going to purchase it. If the price is low, more people are going to purchase it. So it does study human nature uh, in almost every aspect of it. So with that being said, also in economics, we know that, that government is the least efficient thing uh, to do anything. That's why, you know, if you've ever if you if you've ever spent any time in a post office, the post office has a long line out the door, yet it's doesn't give you a great service. <laughs> I mean, it gives you an expensive service, but it doesn't give you great service, and it also is operating in the red. It doesn't make any money. How can you have all those customers and you don't make any money? Well, it's government, and so I don't look to government for all the answers. I look to government for providing law and order. I look to government for providing infrastructure, but I think everybody's been barking up the wrong tree when they think that government is going to provide the future that they want because from my studies, you know, government studies and economics, government is inefficient. And, and it's inefficient because of human nature. So what I think people can do differently now versus in the future, and there's a few companies that are doing it. You know, you've got companies like Tom's, you know, for every shoe that you buy, they give how many shoes to the poor. Um, you've got companies like uh, uh, Patagonia. Um, I've only heard about them. I don't read exactly what they do, but they do something to the effect that they're giving a lot of their monies to to uh, you know, help the rainforest situation in Brazil or something like that. Uh, and then I've, other, I've heard of other companies where the owner, he, he figured out that people could have, where he lived, a satisfactory life if they just made, excuse me, $75,000 a year. And so, you know, in his world, all his employees make $75,000, whether you're, you know, the uh, receptionist or, or uh, vice president or something. Maybe there's some incentive somewhere because I don't see people being really happy if, if uh, they're not getting some incentive for something. So, uh, but that's what I heard was their base salary. So I think if we're gonna change the world, Maybe we can change it another way. We need to look at more ideas because 
you know, we've had kings, some were good, some were bad. You know, usually it's the good king and then his son messes it all up. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, because, you know, you, you've got a kid that never really had to work for anything and then he's the one that's going to run us, you know, afterwards. And then you've got, uh, you know, all the governments with all their different systems. Um, but in the end, uh, you know, government's just inefficient, like I said, with the Postal Service. I, I, I can't stress that enough. With what I studied in school, I would never have government be the solution. Um, so I think, although I don't have all the answers, but I think someone with a good heart that has an awesome business has the ability to change the world. I don't know if they will. For instance, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Jeff Bezos would be happy with, you know, $250,000 a year and giving their, at least, you know what he could do? If just Jeff Bezos just created all these hospitals for people to get their basic needs and uh, you know he could do it if, if, if he just provided health care I mean maybe we have to have a limit so we don't overdo it because I also know from economics that if you get anything free that you're going to abuse it just sort of like that that uh, Panera Bread thing study where people were getting food at a price that they felt was fair. So for instance, if you were wealthy and you went to this old Panera Bread uh, business, this is a, this was a science project. Um, the wealthy people were supposed to pay, you know, the suggested price. And the poor people were supposed to not have to pay or just pay what they felt was fair. Um, and the average road people were supposed to pay somewhere in the middle. And all those businesses, all those special project Panera Breads, they all went out of business. Because human nature says that people will try to get the most for the least. And so human nature screws that up every time. But if one person like Jeff could, you know, provide health care for, um, you know, if his businesses could be focused on providing health care, not necessarily, you know, doing any government or political thing, um, he could change the world. You know, one really rich person could change the world if they wanted to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the area that they should do it is probably healthcare, not education. Because even with education, you've got all the politics going with that, as we see today. We've got them trying to switch them one way or the other. And, you know, I don't think, uh, I don't think, uh, I, ed- although education has always been a good focus most of my life, I don't know if that's really what I think people just need food and health. So if we can keep people healthy and get them food and that's, that's enough. So I think it needs to be, I think we need to look at different angles because I think we've been, and you know, governments to keep their edge, they'll go to war and kill us all. So (laughs) I think now that we have the internet, I think, uh, we know that all these different nationalities, if we could get together, we don't hate each other. We don't want to go to war. Who wants to go to war with somebody? Nobody. Only crazy people want that. You know, the average person, we just, we want to be with our family. We want to eat. We want to laugh. Um, if we could have food and, and health care, I think that's what rich, the good rich person should do. You know, they should, they should help us get 
get to that point where, uh, you know, there's going to be business to create all these different medical things. But, um, you know, uh, someone with that much money could change the world if he set up uh, hospitals that paid for all that stuff. I mean, and, and it doesn't even have to be for everyone. Like, maybe not everyone gets it because maybe it wouldn't work economically. But if we had, let's just say the top 25 cities in the U.S. And, you know, you could start with America. If, uh, but I, although I would, I would suggest doing it in poor countries. But let's just say that because his base is America, that he did it in America. Top 25 cities each had a Jeff Bezos. You know, you can even name it yourself. You know, it could be after you. The Bezos Hospital. <laughs> and then and then you would go and the, med- the, 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 the regular checkup stuff should be free and the emergency stuff should be free and then everything else should be whatever you can afford and it would be subsidized by Amazon. And then more people would buy Amazon stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> It could happen. It could happen. You just gave him some free yeah. advice right there. <laughs> now it's in the universe. <laughs> the thing is, at some point, no, I, I, I applaud him for having a good plan and a good vision and making good business. But after, after so much, it's mostly not to be negative. It's, it's mostly, I mean, what do you need it for? I mean, that's what I'm saying for me. If I ever ran into that kind of money, that's what I would do. I would I would try to open up healthcare and food facilities. Um, you know, maybe a little bit of education too, but um, I find that education also gets very political. So I've sort of moved more towards medicine and, and uh, food because uh, politics is so ugly. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, I know, I, I I know both sides really mean to do good. You know, I, I think anyone that thinks one side is evil, it's, it's, it's uh, not really thinking well. I think both sides mean well, but it's just like anything, you know, brother and sister, um, cousins. How can you get anyone to everyone to agree? You know, consensus that's that's impossible to get everyone to agree so you know why mess with the political stuff just give people their food and give people their their health care and and uh that's all you can hope for i think i think that's that's that should be our goal get people food get people health care i got you i got you um you went through business oh and that's what i was saying i don't know how have i explained it well but Jeff Bezos could do it, but businesses could be set up in a way where, for instance, Girl Scout cookies. You know that when you buy Girl Scout cookies, you buy it because you're benefiting the Girl Scouts. The cookies are pretty good, but the reason you're buying those Girl Scout cookies is you're buying it to benefit the girls. Now, what if we took something else, like this car? You buy this car, and this car is benefiting this hospital. It could be that direct. And so different products, different businesses should be like Tom's, should be like Patagonia and other things. They should be their own cause. And you're getting something in return. You're not just giving money 
you know, blindly to these people for that, you know, 15 cents out of the dollar goes towards. So I, I think uh, it need, I think a business approach is, is the next wave of the future. I don't know if it's, you know, 200 do- years down the road, somebody tried it and they said, oh, that's a stupid idea. We tried that. <laughs> and then, you know, the thing is, uh, if we keep on doing the same thing, then we're insane, right? So we got to try some, some new ideas. For sure. For sure. <laughs> Um, my second to last question for you is what would you like to ask the next guest that comes on to 34 questions what would I like is is 34 questions it doesn't necessarily have to be Filipino based does it not necessarily um, and yeah it could be heavy or light all, the, all, all up to you okay my next question for the next guest is If you have thought about what you can do for your fellow man, what would you do? And if you haven't thought about it, um, tell us when you'll start thinking about it. I gotcha. I gotcha. Because, you know, not everybody's at that point where they're thinking about others. You know, there's people that are struggling out there or people that are so ingrained in their project that that they haven't had time to reflect on on what they can do for you know, a guy down the street or or people back home wherever they come from. So, uh, you know, I, 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 if I don't ask them or you don't ask them, who will, right? So, you know, we, we, we always got to keep that up. You know, it's not a, it's not always the right time for somebody to to think about that project, but I think if, if we all had that question posed to us um, at some point in our life and we could answer it and that we could make a better world if we we all tried to do something for somebody else rather than for ourselves. And so, you know, like like I said, my I'm making my money with the, the business that I've always done. Um, but this project is is for my people, not only for the truth of their history, uh, the pride of their history. But also, um, if I'm able, if it takes off, um, I'd like it to benefit the way that I said Jeff Bezos could benefit. I'd like to uh, provide healthcare and and educational opportunities for uh, kids in the Philippines. Um, because you know, my my dad used to be one of those kids that that uh, had a bowl of rice for lunch and no nothing else, you know, just rice. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I know that that's still common uh, in the Philippines, so um, I would like uh, to help someone like my dad. There. Sure, for sure. And uh, my last question for you, the the question that ties everything together is uh, 500 years from now, our descendants are watching this video. What would you like to tell them? Hmm. 500 years from now? That's a good question. Well, see, they would already know the answer to most of what I'm thinking. So what would I ask them? Oh, it's, well, yeah, if you had something to ask them, anything you wanted to, a message That's, for them. <laughs> that is a, that is a good question. Maybe, you know, the thing is, is what can't we know now? 
what we can't know is in the future, so they would already know it. So maybe we go back to the past. What is something that's mysterious that we don't know about? Oh, I'll ask him this because it's sort of uh, mixed in with our own quote-unquote folklore in, in essence. There are those who believe that the uh, Garden of Eden was in the Philippines. <laughs> so I'm not saying that it was. But uh, my question for them is, have they figured out where the Garden of Eden was? <laughs> that, that would be my question for them. Um, because, you know, uh, the Garden of Eden had everything that you needed. It had uh, fruit, fruit and, and vegetables growing from trees and 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 uh, plants from the ground um, and all the animal life that well I guess you did they didn't eat animals back then but uh, yeah so everything grew uh, from a tree or a vine and so we have that in the Philippines so that's a possibility um, but uh, you know if they figure out where the Garden of Eden was that would be that would be neat and you know it you know, when you when you read um, Filipino folklore and you read other uh, people's history, there 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 were similarities with some of those histories where there could have possibly been a Garden of Eden in other other cultures. So, um, yeah, where was the Garden of Eden? I can't think of anything else, but you know, if they can do, if they can figure out, you know, uh, did, if they figured out how to stop cancer, you know, maybe it was uh, inflammation. You know, they say that everything starts with inflammation. I don't know, but uh, you know, I, I say go back to the past. Uh, where, where was the Garden of Eden, and or uh, you know, what was Stonehenge, or what was Stonehenge uh, made for? So I don't. Something like that. Yeah. Or was it, oh no, here's a good one. Um, where where are all these uh, unidentified flying objects coming from? <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. in 500 years we know. Um, but it could still be a mystery. It all it all depends, I guess, how how the next years look. I mean, you know, I'm sure in the 80s, right? What they thought about the future, what 2020 was going to be like, looks a lot different. And I feel like we're going to kind of have the same experience where I'm thinking 2050, some crazy crazy breakthrough is going to happen, and we'll, we'll be able to have a advancement in technology that just changes the game. But it might just be more of the same, or you know, I guess a little bit worse the way it's kind of going right now, but <laughs> well, we'll bounce back. <laughs> Have you heard of that uh, that uh, Filipino inventor? Uh, I think his name was Kerry, begins with an M, but he uh, discovered the Aurus, I think it's pronounced. It's A U R E U S. And what it is, is he developed a film or solar panel, in essence, that collects UV light, not sunlight. And so the difference between collecting UV light is it could be a cloudy day and it's still collecting energy. So as long as there's sunlight, it's collecting energy. Um, and he was given, I think, like the Dyson Award uh, for like the greatest invention last year or something like that. But uh, the convention center, I think, in Montreal is using that film 
but even online I haven't found they always talk about the great scientific find and that it's being used in places but they haven't really talked about how efficient it is and how well it's collecting energy so I'd like to know about that but you know when you talk about that sci-fi scientific stuff in the future I'm really excited about that because you know uh, one of the big drawbacks with clean energy is you know with the solar panels is that you have to have a sunny day like how about those people that are up in Canada that don't really have sunny days oh I mean how are they gonna collect energy when when I think it's winter there most of the year um, so if all you need is sunlight and this thing collects energy through UV um, how has how how well is it how how much energy is it actually collecting is what I would like Nobody writes up on that. I've been like checking. Of course, the the uh, invention is relatively new. It's not not old technology, so maybe they need more time. I, I guess uh, six months is too early to. You know, <laughs> it's a little more time. <laughs> but uh, you know, they've got it on the convention center in Montreal. You know, so I, I'm I've been I've been saying to myself, I want to like call the place and say, hey. How much energy are you getting from those things out there? <laughs> the average janitor guy. You know, I mean, he, somebody knows, and, and I would like to know. For but, sure. Uh, uh, I, don't know, I don't know if you heard, there's this, a place in New Mexico right now that I, I forget which company bought out this small town, but they're making it like the most futuristic city, um, yeah. you know, with all the bells and whistles of wow. latest technology. And, you know, they're trying to see how it works in just a small, small setting. And I mean, it's still in, under construction. And well, I don't know if they'll ever open it to the public, but that's what I heard from a from another guest that stopped by. That was interesting. Are they, are they, are they trying to, to run it with renewable energy or are they trying to just use what energy they have and just make it high tech. I think uh, a part of it is sustainability. So uh, it's it's like that mixture of like top of the line uh, technology with the sustainability part. Um, you know, because I think they're thinking about the future too and how uh, we, we're, we're in a hole and we're trying to dig ourselves out. Um, so it's going to take everybody, effort from everybody to make that happen. Uh, yeah. We got to keep on thinking, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not in the school of thought that thinks uh, that the world's going to end in 20 or 12 years that, you know, because they say, they've been saying that since I was a kid, that the world was going to end. And I keep on living through whatever that's supposed to end. So, <laughs> you know, it, it gets, it gets to be, you know, the boy cry, cried wolf too many times. So I'm very skeptical on when people say the world's going to end, but I am also sensible. And, you know, although I am a, economics person and I love business you know I think there needs to be a different category there needs to be the business person that loves the environment which I never see that you know I never <laughs> see business environment for some reason it's always okay if you're business then you need to be you know on this side and if you're environment you need to be on this side why can't we have a business environment group you know because I think I think that's what we're missing we're missing that interaction with uh the people that that could actually make some changes if you if you got the business of sustainability, you know, then we could we could probably change the world instead of just thinking that these people are so bad and those people are so bad. There's there needs to be more unity to create 
something great. It's just like the Filipinos. We, and you know, it always comes back to me because of my history. But I always tell people, you know, the only reason the Filipinos fell, even without the best um, technology, if all those people on the, in the Philippines were united, they would have kicked the Spanish people's butts. Yeah. There's no way this, that Spain would have won. No, when 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 Legaspi attacked Manila, he had Visayans with him. It wasn't just the Spanish. So he had, you know, uh, people from Cebu with him attacking uh, Manila. So it wasn't, wow. it wasn't just the Spanish that were there. No, no, no. I hate to say it, but you know that's that's how it was, and so you know you see it also with your cowboy and Indian uh, movies here. You know, all it takes is uh, you, you pit one group up against the other, and and I think from what I read, you know, the Spanish did that in Mexico too. You know, they put one tribe up against the other, <clears throat> and that's how they how they were able to win. But if it wasn't for that, they would have never. They 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 didn't have enough manpower to hold down. Philippines and they would have never been able to do fighting but you know it is what it is and I I tend to believe this I tend to believe that the Filipinos had it so great for so long that we probably pissed God off somewhere down the line and we needed to be put on our butts for a little while so that we could rise up stronger so I, I like to think of it okay we got our butts kicked for a little while but what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? So, you know, I, I, I see a great, bright future for the Philippines and uh, learning our history and knowing who we are, the great people that we are, um, is part of that revival and that that uh, realization that we can do what we did with uh, little dugout boats a long time ago. We, we could sail across the world um, before anyone else could. That's dope. That's a good way to think about it. Yeah. Uh, for sure. You gotta be positive, man. I mean, you, you know, <laughs> some bad, bad things happen. You don't want to dwell on all the negativity. You want to say, you know, we did some kick butt things in the past. We were first to do this. Like, uh, you know, I always say in my in my blog, I say, hey, you know, Camotes, um, sweet potato came from, from um, I think it was Peru. It wasn't Peru, it was Venezuela or or Colombia, but one of those countries in South America. (coughs) Excuse me. So how did it get to Luzon a long time ago before the Spanish came? Well, somebody made it in those little outrigger boats. Banca. Someone made it from all those little islands all the way to Hmm. Easter Island, all the way into South America and brought it back. And so that's one of the positive things I like to tell Filipinos, you know. We have always gone out, but like someone from our past, our our ancestors, they brought something back. And what are the Filipinos of today? What are we gonna bring back home? Because it's our job to bring something back. Like they brought the sweet potato, and you know, we brought other things, but we need to bring something back home. I think that the Philippines is going to come up because um, its its sons and daughters um, realize that it's paradise and that they're going to do something. Somebody from the from the outside is going to help bring the Philippines where it should be. 
Can't wait to see. Even though don't even want to call it Philippines, but that's the name right now. So that's what I'm saying. If I say you know something else, you're gonna say, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> or I could say Luzon. You know, Luzon. Uh, for for some people, that was the entirety of the Philippines, Luzon. So. But you know, not for everyone. But for some some people um, on the what is called the Philippines now, they knew the entirety of the Philippines as Luzon, not just the main island. I gotcha. I mean, I, I always uh, default to motherland. I always just call it my motherland, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, isn't that a cool story? So I pick these things up from what I read. So, you know, it's like, yeah, that's so cool. You know, sweet potatoes from South America, but it made it all the way to the Philippines. It's not as good as ube, but, you know, <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. And so, you know, but somebody, somebody brought that home. And so yeah. what I'm saying is, you know, I'm here in the U.S. right now. I, I, I would love to be back home. I go home often, um, but I haven't since the pandemic. But uh, I look at that, what our ancestors did, if we're going to help the motherland, then those of us that have left need to go back home and bring something home. I hear you. I hear you. Well, uh, Arthur, I want to thank you again for, for stopping by the pod. It was great talking to you. Um, thank you for dropping your knowledge, uh, as you always do, and sharing your story. Uh, definitely appreciate it. And hopefully this is will become a value to you and your family some sometime down the road. Uh, well, yes, sir. I want to thank all the folks out there for, for listening. If you caught it on Spotify or watched it on, on YouTube, appreciate your time as well. Uh, if you liked it, please like it. If you loved it, please subscribe and share. Uh, check out, I got my copy here too. You know, just, just showing the folks out there that we out here supporting. Um, where, where can they uh, pick up a copy, Arthur? They can pick up a copy. Easiest uh, is to go online, maharlikinchronicles.com. You can find me on Instagram at igarut.sky or at maharlikinchronicles on Instagram. But uh, uh, retail in the Philippines opens up uh, within three weeks. And then we're going to have issue number two out this fall. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, For all the folks out there, remember to reach out, reach forward. As always, much love. And we'll catch you guys next time on 34 Questions. Peace. All right, uh, this is the the, the credit scene. Um, any feedback for me? Uh, anything that you particularly liked or disliked about the interview? Um, yeah. yeah. You know, I think we're comfortable with each other. We've done it before. Um, you know, magically, my voice isn't as bad as, you know, I, I kept on talking, so my voice got better. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I, have, I have no complaints with, with the way that you're running your show. I, I am very comfortable. I think uh, as a uh, as a host um, or interviewer, um, one of the things that you'll need is is to make people comfortable. So, although it's probably hard to get me uncomfortable because I'm, you know, that way I can talk. Um, I think you did a great job. I I, I enjoyed you know, talking to you. So that's, that's, uh, that's important. I have no, um, negative what you could do better. I think you actually, um, improved from last time. 
because you have, you know, your questions, you have your little spin wheel, you had some follow-up questions at the end that were normal. So you sort of developed a, a uh, 